0: Welcome inside the lab at Formula 4 Media, I am Bob McGee, and today I'm speaking with Matt Priest, President of the Footwear Distributors and Retailers of America. Mr. Priest, a former senior advisor to Commerce Secretary Carlos Gutierrez and Deputy Assistant Secretary for Textiles and Apparel at the U.S. Department of Commerce, joined the Washington, D.C. Trade Group in February 2009. Earlier in his career, he served as the Legislative Director to Representative Sue Myrick of North Carolina where he was an advisor on textiles, trade, and economic development. The FDRA recently released its 2016 Global Footwear Assessment, a 38-page report offering a current overview of the global footwear sourcing picture. Today we will talk to him about aspects of that report, the status of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement, and the country of Vietnam that exported more than 185 million pairs of footwear to the U.S. in 2015 and now has a 16. Two percent share of all U.S. footwear imports. Good afternoon, Matt, and let's get started. Vietnam sourcing and and exporting of footwear if TPP passage is endangered, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's hard to
1: ju- it's hard to judge based on political rhetoric. It's you know we've got a limited opportunity, but the fact is, I think a lot of a lot of our members in the industry as a whole are moving to Vietnam. You know, in absent of TPP. So, what do I mean by that? I mean they made a decision to shift their sourcing, uh, even while TPP was being negotiated. So, it's a it's a, a great addition to have. Uh, but all the all the dynamics within China that were driving diversification still remain, and those were those were big factors in determining that Vietnam had the, both the capacity uh, and was a a willing partner for. For moving production there and increasing production in Vietnam. Uh, That being said, there's been there's a lot of anticipation about TPP, and if that if it's delayed by a year or two, then then we might see some of the growth out of Vietnam slow a little bit. But we've seen dramatic growth out of Vietnam for multiple years now, and it's been even when TPP negotiations were in their infancy.
0: Okay, and what about what's the worst scenario if one presidential candidate wins? Scenario depending on what. Based on what you know now at this juncture in July of 2016,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to They're both worst case scenarios along with. I mean, the fact is, you have a candidate in Donald Trump who's been anti TPP, anti trade, anti trade liberalization. He says he's for free trade, but I'm yet to hear any proposal out there that demonstrates how he is for free trade. Uh, he's brought in Mike Pence on his ticket, who's pro free trade. The Republican Party historically has been pro free trade. Mm. The platform in 2012 was we've got to pass TPP as soon as possible. The platform in 2016 is let's not rush it through lame duck. And so I don't know how you rush a six or seven year negotiation at this point. But um, but the fact is there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges within the party about figuring out a way forward on trade and how much of Donald Trump's rhetoric uh, you can rely on. In his speech on Thursday, he talked about how bilateral agreements are great. But then he lambasted Hillary Clinton for supporting the Korea agreement, which is a bilateral agreement. He talked about how he wanted to increase tariffs on on imported goods from China, which, of course, do nothing but hurt American consumers. But then he lambasted the World Trade Organization and China's ascension to the WTO under the Clinton administration, which allows us to... Add tariffs to Chinese imports. So there were a lot of conflicting things that he said that didn't really make sense. So, you know, it's it's hard to understand where he'll come out in this policy moving forward. For Secretary Clinton, she obviously was in favor of the agreement for a long time, helped push it along, if not technically, rhetorically, she did. She gave 45 speeches in favor of it as Secretary of State that are well documented. She obviously has been pushed to the left by Bernie Sanders and and those supporters uh, and his supporters, as well as the, the Elizabeth Warren, you know, you're up in Boston, so the Elizabeth Warren segment of the party has pushed her left on trade. So she's come out against it and, and not meeting her standards. She selected Tim Kaine, who's very pro trade. He's now come out against it, against it that it doesn't meet his standards. So it's just a really strange time right now. There's not one champion out there showing leadership even when even when over half of the american people think trade is good lowering trade barriers are good a lot of millennials support trade even more so so it's 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 really kind of all four of them or both parties are all kind of pivoting to the lowest common denominator of anxiety with portions of the american population and then, you know, they're, you know, we created 27 million new jobs after NAFTA was passed. These are good things. They do good things for our economy. But nevertheless, it's, it's hard to kind of forecast the future.
0: But is the current political situation, as you just described here in the U.S., created some uh, anxiety by some of the other TPP partner countries?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we we did like a tour of the TPP party countries in the spring, just went around town in D.C. and met with their economic teams at their embassy, trying to understand how difficult it was internally to their own countries to move the agreement. And all of them, to a T, said, we are waiting on your leadership. We can pull this off. No problem we are, you know, we, we need you. And the agreement by law cannot go into effect unless we pass it. It has to have 85% of GDP amongst the, the 12 nations that, that has to include the United States and Japan and then any, any other four countries. So if we don't move it, it's just going to languish out there for a while. And, you know, we had 218 votes in favor of trade promotion authority a year ago, which was kind of a proxy vote for TBP. 20 of those yes votes are retiring. So we lose twenty votes in the new Congress next year right away. So it's hard to figure out the math as to how we pull this off in the new Congress. But, you know, there's a lot you know, a lot long way to go this year and we're we're gonna continue to push. We have a lobby day in September to really push it, so
0: in the best case scenario, when would when would its earliest passage be? I think
1: here? the best case scenario is that we pull it off. So maybe Secretary Clinton wins; she puts pressure in the Obama administration for a tweak here, or there, or she says quietly, "Just get this off your plate, move it, so I don't have to deal with it." And then we move it in lame duck, um, sometime November, December. Because at the end of the day, depending on what happens in the U.S. Senate, for example, if the Republicans lose the Senate, there's no way in hell that this thing will move in a, a Senate controlled by Harry Reid. He is adamantly against trade. So. So right now we have the leadership in place. We have Senator McConnell as majority leader in the Senate. We have Speaker Ryan, who's favorable trade Chairman Brady of Ways and Means Committee, and President Obama. So any one of those, two of those may be changed by January 20, 2017 when you have a new majority leader, a new president. So the more you kind of take away that leadership, the less likely you're going to have the people in place to try and move this thing. So we are really getting people to focus on the fact that this is the number one uh, priority for our industry. It saves us half a billion dollars a year in duties, six billion over the first decade. The the government has highlighted the footwear industry as the, really the leading benefactor of the of 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 the trade agreement and how it'll benefit our industry so that's why we think best case scenario it's lame duck and that's why we're pushing for it because beyond lame duck all bets are off we really have no okay. there's no hope at that point for for at least a long time
0: let's turn back to vietnam for a second i know in your 38 yep. page report on the 2016 global footwear sourcing assessment you talked about some other vietnam issues pollution new inspections factory suspensions worker protests how do yeah. all of these issues potentially impact the country's ability to further grow its footwear sourcing base and exports to North America and the EU?
1: I mean, I think any time that you have, you know, we saw last in 2014, in fact, it's been quite some time now, a year and a half, where we saw the protests, uh, the nationalistic protests in Vietnam over all the South China Sea disputes, and uh, how the Vietnamese government kind of allowed the workers to go out and protest, and then and in some turned violent, some footwear factories were, were destroyed. And so I don't think, you might not see that kind of a fervent protest, but depending on what happens in the South China Sea and how Vietnam feels about its is positioning against China, then then you might see some upward. The, the irony of all this is that the TPP is designed to one strengthen our economic ties with Vietnam and further drive influence in the region, American influence in the region as a counterbalance to China and to their activities in the South China Sea. So that's one. I mean, this for all those all the people who think you who kind of lambaste the agreement. Nothing speaks to American leadership more than moving this agreement and in, in, in a balance to China. I mean, if if you're Donald Trump, you want to really stick it to China, you pass the TPP. I mean, that's what you do. Secondly, I think that the agreement codifies or puts into law a lot of requirements on the Vietnamese government to enhance labor rights and worker rights and so now we have a law that's going to dictate you don't get duty-free access to the United States unless you unless you pass these these reforms and they're willing to do it and it's kind of like there's no stronger tool than this agreement to really draft some of those reforms. So again, the agreement is not just about lowering duties and increasing exports out of Vietnam and it's also about codifying and strengthening the relationship with the United States and ensuring that, that the Vietnamese government is reforming in a way that's positive to workers there and this is it's like this, it really is a uh it's a it's a stone uh, it's a it's a two birds one stone kind of thing this agreement and i think that that People get lost, and you know they de- they make these declarations about trade that aren't even true. And then do will take a look at the agreement, and it's a really strong agreement in all respects.
0: Uh, the issues I mentioned that are going on in Vietnam with the pollution and such, with and the factory closures and reinspections, Will those drive unit prices of footwear up in Vietnam next year? or will They automatically go up.
1: Um, I think there'll be some increase in pricing. I think anytime you once the TPP goes into effect, you might see some some increase in pricing as well because there'll be a run on capacity. So I think there's a lot of different factors, but you know we as we- we, as we've kind of highlighted in the report and in broader conversations is is the fact that there 's there's a skilled workforce there is capacity there is there is logistically there's a lot to, to be had there if you 're in the athletic space there's fully integrated supply chain and uh, and there's a desire by the government to attract foreign direct investment and I think all those things coupled together It shows that there's a bright future even though limited in capacity and limited in workforce and there's still a lot to be had and be gained by by increasing exports of footwear out of vietnam and then you throw TPP on top of that, and it's just kind of a bonus to what's happening there.
0: My final question, Matt, was just, you know, I just want to know in your report you mentioned Cambodia, you mentioned Ethiopia. I just wondering if you could t- talk to the issue of our our athletic and other footwear vendors and brands pursuing other countries right now that you, the, your organization sees to pick up some sourcing business in case you know it'll take take further away from China or maybe pick up some of Vietnam's business if Vietnam has issues. Are they exploring? I mean, I assume they are always exploring other co- possibilities for sourcing. Uh, yeah,
1: on. yeah, I've learned that I've learned that pretty early on in this job that the, if you're not looking, then you're you're not you know you're not having you do not have an effective source even if you hung out in China hundred percent of your sourcing. I mean, People are always looking around. They're always exploring better options and looking for what opportunities are out there. On the athletic side, it really is a three-country game. It's China, Vietnam, and Indonesia. And in fact, it might be Vietnam, Indonesia, and China in that order. Indonesia is seeing some strong growth when it comes to athletic production. Uh, They were on the decline in the Asian financial crisis in the late 90s. And then they really didn't have a pro-business government and political stability until the last few years. And so we've seen growth out of Indonesia. The interesting part about it Indonesia, it's like China, there's no duty benefit. They've voiced an interest in joining TPP, but that's years away. So for for the growth that we're seeing there, it's, it's been a pretty a pretty strong growth based on just based on their capacity and their know and their know how and their labor availability of labor. You know, beyond that, I mean, Cambodia has seen some growth just because it's it's connected to Vietnam and there's the opportunity there. Again, there's no duty benefit for Cambodia. I mean, Ethiopia has duty benefit through the African Growth and Opportunity Act. We're actually going to lead a trade mission there in the fall to kind of see what's happening there. But it's but all these countries, absent of China, Vietnam, and Indonesia, we're, they're all very... I mean, we imported 2.4 billion pairs last year. So these are all very small numbers relative to our overall import profile. And uh, it's interesting. It's it's interesting to talk about. And in fact, one order for Ethiopia could set the industry for a year. I mean, it's uh, it doesn't take much for the... It doesn't take that much of shedding of market share away from China for a country like Ethiopia to see some really dramatic benefits, even though it's a small percentage. Uh, so it's interesting to talk about it, and it's exciting for their industry but from the broader context um, it's really a, a one, two, one to two country horse race for, for business and even in, even there the disparity between China and Vietnam is very dramatic so so that you know people are always looking they're always kicking the tires they're always checking out what's going on in our hemisphere they always have you know one line here two lines there they, they drop in Mexico or Ethiopia or the Dominican Republic but it's it's going to be a China Vietnam game
0: for Was asked just, just to that point. Will we ever see a year where there'll be no, there'll be no more China footwear sourcing? I mean, is that that totally other the possibility? No,
1: I mean, I mean, some, maybe, but not in, not in our lifetimes.
0: Well, thanks for your insights today, Matt. You've been listening to Inside the Lab at Formula Four Media. This is Bob McGee.